You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you just two days before the NHL trade deadline commences, um, probably setting up to be one of the most boring deadline days of all time because everything has seemingly happened um, between uh, today and then uh, this most recent Sunday. Lots of big trades. The Wild have been minor players so far, acquiring Marcus Johansson um, as well as Gustav Nyquist. We'll talk a little bit about those additions later on in the show along with lots of other good stuff today. But before we get into all that, as we always do, got to check in with the fellas. Zeke, three weeks straight in a row now, going strong for us here. I know you're Maple Grove Crimson, got a big win last night. How are the vibes? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, last night was at both games. It was a doubleheader. The Centennial Rogers game before that, to be honest, was you know, a lot better. But this kind of reminds you. Who you know, won that one? Uh, Rogers did late. They scored two goals late in regulation, but they're sneaky just, good this year. Sneaky. Yeah, good. they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. But yeah, it's just uh, you know, me. kind of forget how much fun it is to be at those yeah. the games in the packed uh, small rank there with people up to the rafters. So it was a really good time. Awesome, Justin. What about you? I'm oh, doing well in the middle of my uh, uh, long work week. Today was my only day off of the week, and of course, I had a doctor's appointment. Just getting the skin checked. I have a history of melanoma, so. Everything uh, seemed to be clear, clear. So uh, another year of peace of mind. Uh, but uh, love to yeah, hear. yeah. Um, speaking of high school hockey, uh, Duluth East plays tomorrow night. They haven't been to the tournament since like 2018, I think. They've kind of a couple of rough mm. years. So I- I'm hoping they make it. <laughs> that's, that's my alma mater. So yeah. if it wasn't you obvious, me all you want. <laughs> yeah, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know what DE stands for. Yeah. Do. <clears throat> uh, yeah that was good, too, this past week. Sorry to um, interrupt. But, oh, no, you're uh, good. I know we'll talk about the games, but I missed the Toronto one because we went to the Gophers game, and, and the kids got a locker room tour of the Gophers, so uh, that was pretty sick. It was like an NHL locker room. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a good time. Yeah, well uh... – before we get into the wild, Justin, we'll, we'll throw it back over to you to keep talking here. Okay. Give us the update on the prospects. Sounds good. We'll kind of start with the prospect of the week. Caden Bank here had a seven-point week, uh, three goals, four assists, and four games played. Pretty good week for him considering he also signed his entry-level, three-year entry-level contract today with the wild. So I imagine we see him in Iowa next year being 20 years old and kind of the CHL roles, so. Looking forward to seeing what he brings to Iowa next year because he's had quite the season in the WHL. Um, <clears throat> speaking of Kamloops, Kyle Masters also had a good week. Six points in the four games, one goal, five assists. 
He's uh, those two boys are playing really well lately. Then uh, Nikita Nesterenko had three points in, in two games this week. Uh, Faber had a couple points this week, but <clears throat> uh, they were both in the game I went to. He was so incredibly good. That was his first game back from injury, and he might have been the best player on the ice that game. He scored the the first goal, game winning goal. It was just such a beautiful goal. We were it was right in front of us. He's he's just he's gonna be so good for us. I think. Let's see. <clears throat> and then Iowa finally broke their nine-game losing streak the other day. And then today they put up a dud against Milwaukee, lost one nothing. I got to watch the last couple periods. Wallstead kept him in it, gave him a chance to win. He stopped 22 or 23 shots and kind of did everything he had to do to give them a chance, but uh, no one no one could score for him. Yeah. So uh, A goalie duel that will probably be the first of yeah. a long stretch right. of goalie duels between Wallstead <laughs> and uh, Askarov today. I think Wallstead won the last one, so yeah. those two are uh, second of many. <laughs> yeah, I think most of the games between those two game teams have been like one goal games this year. So Nashville and us, uh, Askarov, Wallstead, uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, and then the KHL playoffs started today. All four of our prospects that are over there are on a team in the playoffs. So. Uh, Kuznadinov was the only one that played today. His team ended up losing 6-4, to four, but he picked up an assist. Um, hoping Yurov's team loses, and then he signs an entry-level contract. We'll see how that goes, but kind of getting sick of their antics with him. And then the last bit of news is um, I was listening to KFAN earlier, and this is not really new news, but uh, they think Faber will come straight to the wild after his season, and they think they'll end up burning a year on his contract as is pretty typical for those higher end college prospects um, mm -hmm. that have team control, you know, what that role with the wild is come that time, I think depends on a lot of factors. Um, but if, you know, I think an ideal scenario, you're comfortably in a playoff spot. Um, you don't have any injuries. You can maybe throw Faber in there for a handful of games, give him a taste. You know, yeah. if he looks really good, great. You have an extra piece for the playoffs. If not, you know, no harm done. Right. Um, at all there so good so, stuff good, good stuff. stuff well let's get into what was another you know stressful week of minnesota wild hockey <laughs> uh they go 3-0-1 on the week don't make it easy three of those four games going to overtime or the shootout they win two of those lose another one to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, but you know they continue this stretch. I believe now six zero and one in their last seven. Um, I don't know if there's updates on the standings as of tonight, um, but as of this moment, Wednesday at about eight thirty, the Wild just one point out of first place um, over the Dallas Stars, who are currently losing to the Arizona Coyotes two to one. Um, and Colorado is losing three nothing at home. Yeah, they have three games in hand on yeah, us. To so. the, to the Devils. Um, so the Dallas with a game in hand, so a loss there would be big. Colorado, um, one point behind the Wild, but three games in hand, so a loss for them would be huge as well. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, two points behind the Wild, no games in hand there. And the Wild starting to pull away from Edmonton, who they have a two-point lead over and have now opened up a massive seven-point lead over the Calgary Flames, who absolutely melted down. Um, sort of, not to say melted down, but dominated the Boston Bruins last night and then could not win. 
um, despite out shooting them. I think it was like 57 to 15 or something. And they lost like four to three. (laughs) And then Nashville pretty much has faded away from existence, obviously trading out all their big pieces, Nita Ryder, Granlin, Ekholm. Um, They are, you know, seem to be heading toward a rebuild there or retool of some kind. Blue is obviously doing the same. So the Wild all of a sudden, you know, three, I think our podcast title three weeks ago was Wild and Shambles. Um, and all of a sudden now it's wild comfortably sitting in a playoff spot. So amazing what a couple weeks can do. Um, let's start with, we'll start with our game recaps, and then we'll get into all the trades, those types of things. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll start with the game that followed our, our last podcast. That was Thursday's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. A 2-1 victory for the Wild. Marc-Andre Fleury in this one gets a shutout um, and was a huge reason why the Minnesota Wild found a way to win this game. Uh, he makes 30 saves in this one, 3.36 goals save above expected. That was the second highest mark of the season behind, I believe, Philip Gustafson had one earlier in the year that was like 3.41 um, or something along those lines. I believe that was in his his first shutout of the season. Um, Wild in this one get goals from Kaprizov as well as Brandon Duhame. You know, not the team's necessarily best effort. They were outshot, out-attempted, out-high-danger attempted, did not have the advantage, you know, expected goals-wise, but, you know, found a way that third line, who we'll talk about here more in a little bit, came through in a big way. Mm-hmm. Kirill Kaprizov continued his dominance in this one. Um, you know, this is, I believe, the first or second in the stretch where the Wild have been without Jonas Brodin. Definitely hurting a little bit. Dakota Mermis was in this game as well with John Merrill out. Uh, but you know, with one thing we didn't see a lot of last year was goaltender stealing games. We saw the wild outscoring their problems, but yet again, the wild goaltender stole a game. And I think the biggest story in this one was that Mark Andre Fleury performance. Of course, this was his first start following that, uh, very poor performance against the avalanche in his previous outing, um, comes back, bounces back in a huge way, gets the wild, a big two points, gets a shutout, gets all the confidence and swagger back. Uh, to me, that was the, the my biggest takeaway, uh, from this game. And I think, you know, the other, you know, despite like, like, you know, what Brett was just saying, they did, you were outplayed for most parts of the game. It did feel like they still defended pretty well. Like there wasn't a ton of scrambling their own zone. They weren't just turning pucks over left and right. It, I mean, it pretty much seemed that, uh, you know, they scored the two quick goals and you thought, oh, maybe they'll pour it on here at, on the road against a bad team. They kind of just uh, seemed, seemed, ended up seeming, you know, content with the two goals and just decided to sit back and protect kind of a little bit, which, you know, like like Brett mentioned, all the numbers when they, when your goaltender plays pretty well, you can do that uh, and got away with it. And you know they gotten got a win against a team they should beat. So that was you know that was the most important thing. No one got hurt. So yeah, I, yeah, like you said, um, kind of in this whole stretch, the the defense has been good, the goaltending and the penalty kill. Um, outside of the national game, most of the games. I mean, we scored three against Columbus the other night. Well, Kaprizov scored three, and then. <laughs> Four against Nashville, but other than that, we haven't scored more than two goals, and we're still six zero and one. So, you know that that's just indicative of the goaltending and and the defense like you're talking about. And then, of course, the the penalty kill too is like twenty five or twenty eight in a row killed. And I think it's twenty five really, straight, and it's something yeah. probably I think like twenty nine in the last thirty or something. Like yeah, that, it's so. just insane. Uh, special teams been good, so yeah. that's been keeping us afloat. I mean, penalty kill, special teams, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the next game, uh, you know, was the one game in this stretch at the Wild lost. This was to the Toronto Maple Leafs, second night of a back-to-back. No Jonas Brodin in this one. And, you know, almost flipped the script from a night before. Where they, you know, seemingly didn't have it against a pretty porous Columbus team. All of a sudden they bounce back. They outshoot, out-attempt, out-high danger chance, out-expect a goal to the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
but all that is just not quite enough um, as the Wild end up falling 2-1 to one, um, in a shootout um, in this one. Brandon Duhame again uh, getting the goal for Minnesota. Um, second line in this one with Boldy Ek, Felino, 70% expected goal share in this one. Um, one of their better performances recently, that third line, really good again. Uh, Middleton Spurgeon, who have been an, an absolute tear lately. It, I mean, their analytics every night, they're seemingly like 60-plus in the expected goal share and then like a plus one on the game or plus two. They've been so good. Um, and, you know, they've had to be. You know, without Jonas Brodeen, they're getting all those tough matchups um, and continue to, to do well. Um, in this one, Dumba Goligoski, not a bad game in this one either against a pretty good Toronto team who has, you know, uh, you know, saw that saw that overtime against the Wild and said we need to make a whole bunch of changes and they've been one of the most active teams to trade deadline. Uh so far, Philip Gustafson, nothing to hang his head about here. Uh just two goals two goals against in this one. Uh stopping, you know, twenty four of twenty or twenty three of twenty four and then the shootout. Um, just negative point three goals saved, um, you know, underexpected. So pretty, pretty rare for him to have that number in the negative. But we'll let mm. it slide. You know, still only allowing, you know, the one goal in this one. So, yeah. you know, overall, just a a really really nice game uh, from the Wild in this one. You know, didn't come away with the win, but to come against a Maple Leafs team without Jonas Brodin the second night of a back to back to come out of that with a point uh, was huge. We talked if they went, you know, two and two this next stretch, we'd be pretty happy. And they, you know, of course, come out three zero and one. So. Uh, not not a bad loss. One you'd like that extra point, but all things considered, not a bad uh, not a bad loss there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you know, like he's. I think that you tweeted out the night of the game, Brett, that they allowed something like it was three high danger scoring chances the whole game, which against Toronto is very good. Yeah, you know, I think five high danger chances, only three of them were on okay. net in that one. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean they defended. It was like we. Like we just obviously talked about, they just defended really well. It wasn't the most exciting game, but it was really, you know, clean game. Not a lot happening. You know, they did have the one power play opportunity there with about two minutes left in the third. That they just, you know, barely missed on a couple times, uh, taking the lead late. But, yeah, like you said, uh, just got beat by really good play in overtime by Nylander there. Uh, you know, not much not much you can do. And, uh, yeah, no, it, it was a solid game. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they've kind of came back and, you know, won a couple of games now to ease the pain, I guess, of not getting the win there. So it, it, it ended up working out. Yeah, I didn't get to watch this one, so I don't get to add anything. I, I will say, though, that in this four-game stretch, like you said, we, we would have been happy with two and two. and two. <laughs> Toronto's the one team that I would, you know, kind of figure would be a tougher matchup, and, and going 3-0-1 is, is pretty amazing, especially, you know, allowing us to pull away from some of these teams that are chasing us now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then then uh, you know, good game there, and then uh, then we have uh, the next game there again against the blue uh, the Blue Jackets, um, and man, this was I think what might go down as the Kaprizov game. Um, the Wild, you know, played a much better game against the Blue Jackets this time around. Um, come out with a three two overtime win. Um, but if not for a rare, excellent performance by Elvis Merzlikens, who uh, coming into that game uh, was the worst goaltender in the league by pretty much every basic analytic, by every advanced metric out there. Um, he came out and made the wild work every second, but the one player um, that he seemingly couldn't figure out uh, was Kirill Kaprizov, who gets a natural hat trick in this one, um, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, so they were down. Yeah, they were down two nothing. Yeah, so they were down two zero. 
Um, I think heading into the third period, uh, Kaprizov just was a man possessed. Um, and this one, um, let's see if I have, uh, finishes the game, obviously three goals, 15 shot attempts, five of those being high danger attempts, 1.39 individual expected goals. Eight of his shots actually hit the net. Uh, just insane, including, you know, gets the overtime game winner. I mean, it was just everything, you know, we've seen him take over games at times, but I don't think it's ever been uh, to the magnitude that it was uh, in that game against Columbus. They just didn't have any sort of answer at all uh, to Kaprizov all game long. And it was just, it seemed every time he was on the ice, it was just the puck was on a stick and it was heading toward the net on a scoring opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, he scored four goals in the two games against him, but <clears throat> like you said, this is maybe the best game he's played in the Wild uniform. Uh, not only with the eight shots on goal, but he also added four hits and two block shots just kind of all over the place. I thought it was really awesome that he finished the hat trick in overtime and, and hat raining down as they were celebrating the win. It was just uh, a really fun game to watch in general. And <laughs> Him and Zuccarillo, they put up like defenseman numbers time on ice. They both had over 25 minutes of time on ice even more than like Jared Spurgeon who had 24. So it was, uh, that's, that's why he was so noticeable. Just insane. One of his, if not like the best game he's ever played. I mean, there's not much else obviously you could say, but I think it was Kalen Addison who, you know, said in the post game that he's the hardest working superstar, you know, in the league, or at least one of them. And I think, you know, he didn't score on that play late in the third, about four minutes left where he did the, uh, you know, the half spin, mohawk to get the backhand shot off got his own rebound and just tinged it off the inside of the post was kind of uh, plays like that are just kind of you know the uh encapsulate who is as a player obviously highly skilled uh and great hands and great shot but just you know the ability to be a pain in the ass and seemingly like we talked about many times before winning every puck battle you know even when he's one on four it's pretty amazing and uh yeah no like carried on, put him on the back and basically said, fine, I'll do it myself in that game. And, uh, you know, thank God I did it because they need every two points they got. And uh, it, it was it was awesome. It was just a special performance. So, yeah, and especially in front of the of, home crowd. 100% of the goals, 34% of the expected goals, 18% of the shots, 19% of the shot attempts, 36% of the high danger chances, just by himself. Uh, I mean, just games that you just don't see very often. It was special. Um you know, to see that happen. And, you know, then of course, after the game, Modest is like, I don't think it's one of my best games ever. And I was like, well, if that's not, I would like to see what was right. (laughs) If you have another level that you can go to beyond what happened there, I would, I can't wait to see that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Another thing I want to add, would that overtime goal have happened without Kalen Addison in the lineup? Cause that tic-tac-toe play, I mean, it could have happened, but that tic-tac-toe play between Zuccarello and Addison and Kaprizov was just a thing of beauty to finish that game off. Patience on there. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, that that was the big thing for me is, you know, that puck goes over in overtime a lot of times, and that puck goes backside. Your instant, especially in an odd man situation, is to rip that puck on a one-timer. Uh, but Addison, you know, kind of thinks about it and then realizes, oh, here, sh- oh shit, here comes Kaprizov right up on the back door. Great vision, makes a pass perfectly on the tape. Um, and Kaprizov, I think, shot that thing as hard as he could, made sure it was in the middle yeah. of the net. I thought it hit the post at first because it, I know came, I uh-huh, it looked like it. Because <laughs> it came in and out of the net so fast. Um, but you know, it was great to see Kalen Addison obviously earns the the spot back in the lineup with the injuries to Brody and the sickness to Merrill. 
Um, and has, I think, overall looked much better. I don't think, you know, objectively, I don't think he's looked that much different. Um, but, you know, we're, we, we've seen him get scored on a couple times, um, including last night against the Islanders, but that one a complete blown coverage by John Merrill. Kellen Addison actually had his man tied up in front, boxed out um, in between the puck, um, you know, put himself between the goaltender and the player and the puck. Um, he mm-hmm. was in the right position there. Merrill loses his guy, ends up in the back of the net. But, you know, much better from him lately, which has been good to see. Um, you know, obviously they're hoping to get Brodeen back with the trade deadline looming. Um, you know, hard to say, you know, when Brodeen's back, you know, is it going to be Addison or Merrill coming out of the lineup? Uh, we'll have to see. Um, or excuse me, Addison or Goligoski coming out of the lineup, we'll have to see. Uh, but that'll take us into that game against the Islanders. You know, it seemed like it had potential to be exciting early on. Both teams get some goals early in the first period, and then we got what we expected uh, with two of the best goaltenders in the league going head-to-head. Philip Gustafson, Ilya Sorokin just stole this show. Um, a combined 6.3 expected goals in this game, and just two of them end up in the back of the net. Uh, both Sorokin and Gustafson, phenomenal. Uh, Gustafson obviously steals the show. A huge third period in overtime. I think about half of his uh, goal save of expected, if not more, Um Came in that third period in overtime. He stops three in the shootout, and then shootout hero Freddie Goudreau, who I don't think has scored a an in play goal since like January fourth or something. Uh, but again, in the shootout, he's just you know something. I don't know what happens. He just has a way of finding the net. You know, deflects one off the bottom of the glove, and it trickles in. Gustafson stops all three. Wild come out with the win. Uh, the other big storyline in this one, obviously, Ryan Reeves gets his first goal in a Minnesota Wild uniform, his first goal since April 27th, I believe, of 2022, and then picking up the assist for his point no- first point in almost two months is Jordan Greenway. Um, and that's it. No, no other points in the roster. Reeves from Greenway. Uh, get, get the goal there. Um, but, you know, Jordan Greenway probably fighting for his Minnesota wildlife right now. Ryan Reeves, you know, knowing there's two acquisitions, um, you know, one of the, and, you know, one guy is going to have to come on the lineup for Johansson um, knows that he could probably be one of them, but comes up in a big way, um, has a fight in this one early, gets the goal, um, rocked a team uh, second on the third on the team, fourth, fourth on the team, uh, 68% expected goal share last night. That line for the wild, really good. Um, the fourth line, one of their best games in a long time, uh, seemingly had, you know, good chances all game long. Uh, but it was big. You know, it was a game where the top six didn't have it. Top line for the Wild in that one, uh, you know, had had the goal against, just a 14% expected goal share. Second line, you know, same thing, 36% expected goal share. And then you look at third and fourth lines last night, 81% for the Goudreau line, expected goals, and then 58% for the, for the Dewar line. Um, so, you know, the bottom six coming up big, you know, when the top six didn't have it. And then of course, Philip Gustafson, again, just stealing the show, um, getting another big win against the Islanders who, you know, our team also fighting for their playoff lives. Um, and that, you know, we talked about how big that win could be given, you know, how things are looking right now with the other teams in the West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Reeves on his goal was showed shades of the Jared Spurgeon baseball yeah. goal. That was, I was, I lost my mind when he scored that. I thought he was going to get the Gordie Howe hat trick that night because he had gotten the fight and the, the goal in the first period. And then, yeah, like you said, like we expected these two teams, very defensive structured, like everything was kept to the perimeter for the most part. Uh, the goalies played well. And then, uh, as we all know, Goudreau scored the only shootout goal uh, to give us the win. And, you know, 
I think it's crazy. He leads. I think he leads the NHL in shootout goals over guys he like Kaprizov, Robertson. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like Kaprizov, Robertson, and Zuccarello. I'm like, are the Wild the only team that goes to shootouts anymore? Like, how? feels like I feel like every game goes to a shootout. <laughs> we have three of the top four somehow. Yeah. No, it the, uh, you know, it's. I, I didn't see the game, so I most of it at least, so I don't know too much. But I mean, like Justin mentioned, it seemed like uh, kind of what you would expect, I guess, out of a game between Wild and the Islanders, especially them knowing that you know they both have to play the same way to uh, to you know stay in the race and keep staying games. And obviously, like Brett mentioned, they also have one of the best goalies in the league. So uh, you know, maybe not most exciting, but uh, you know, hey, get the win. Even though I'm really getting tired of the shootouts, though, like you guys just talked about, it's like five <laughs> in the last two weeks. Like I don't, it's like you're all oh, this is fun, back and forth, great saves, and then you got to go watch guys chase skate in and throw a wrist shot into the glove. It's like oh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I kind of said that last night. I was like, I don't want to see another shootout. I mean, I'm glad we get the two points, but I want to see it end in you know regulation or three versus three overtime. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, we talked about how good Philip Gustafson was in this one, so here's your weekly Philip Gustafson praise uh, from the podcast. Uh, Just kind of looking at the holistic picture, I mean, we know we started off kind of rough, so if we throw out kind of those first, I think it was six games or so, where the whole team was just kind of a mess, not just the goaltending. Um, Starting with that game where Alex Goligoski came in against Carolina back on November 19th, 22 starts for Philip Gustafson, uh, 21 starts, 22 appearances. Um, in that time frame, 19.11 goal save above expected, a 1.76 goals against average, a 93.9% save percentage, 84% of the high danger shots he has stopped. Um, I mean, there's just, he's done everything. Um, and I think in that stretch too, it's see one, two, three, four five games is all where he's allowed more than two goals um the other 17 have been two or fewer i mean just absolutely lights out um you know we talk about him every week but you know i just you can't give this guy enough praise the way he's kept them in games late the way he's stolen games in some of these wins um and you look at his body of work i mean since basically the new year tampa bay st louis the islanders capitals panthers stars Vegas, New Jersey, Florida, Dallas, Nashville, LA, Toronto, and New York. I mean, he has pretty much gotten every, pretty much every playoff team um, that the Wild have faced. The Vegas one, he came in in relief, um, and I think he's maybe lost what one, two, three, three of those, four, yeah. three or four of those. Like that's insane. Like this isn't. He's not getting cupcakes anymore. Like this is playoff teams that he's you know beating night in and night out. Um, and, you know, I, I I hear this discourse about you know the can the Wild win the playoffs the way they're playing? And to me, the way you win the playoffs is you ride a hot goalie and your special teams deliver. And that's kind of been the formula for this team on this stretch. Justin, you talk about earlier the you know the penalty kill, you know perfect twenty five for twenty five. They didn't take a penalty against the Islanders, I think, last night. Um, I don't know what the power play is over the last stretch. I think it's cooled off a teeny bit, um, but I think both are top 10 units on the year. I think last I heard, I think they're both seventh best, I think, in both categories. So, I mean, the recipe is there. Um, and obviously they went out and tried to address some of the scoring issues by adding some some potential top nine guys, Gustav Nyquist, um, Marcus Johansson, we talk about in a second. But 
I don't think what they're doing is necessarily unsustainable. Obviously, you like to score more goals, but if you know if your goalie's playing well and you're defending well, I mean that's gonna that's gonna lead to to a lot of wins, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, no, obviously, you know, you can't. Uh, it's not going to be every game, but I mean, we've seen uh, guys before, especially in goal. Obviously, we've seen David Dubnik do this over almost a forty game stretch over a half a year. Uh, play really well. I mean, you see that every year. There always seems to be one team, or you know, maybe not every year, but there's always you know somebody who, you know, like you mentioned, Brett. Uh, it, you know, more than anything in the sport, if your goalie is good, that can you know cover up for any deficiencies. And you know, like obviously, like you were saying, there's not much else we can really say on Gustafson either. But you know, he's another guy who you know, like we just talked about, backtrack second, Goudreau being good in shootouts. He's been good in shootouts in the opposite end. I mean, just. You know, showing the calmness there. He had that nice poke check, and I think it was Holmstrom that first shot last night. The guy was coming in fast. It made the quick move and got him to bite, but just calmly slid over. So yeah, no, he's uh, obviously been fantastic. And you know, you, like we said before, that's probably it seems like maybe at least ten wins that they wouldn't have if you know he was a fourth worse or they had anybody else in goal for those games. Cough, cough, cough. Cam Talbot, cough, cough. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of want to touch on Gustafson too. Uh, I mean, in the last ten games, he's got almost a ninety-four percent save percentage, almost ninety-five percent in the last five. Um, he's so stellar all around. But at home, he's like eleven one and zero in his last twelve home starts. Uh, second to only like Allmark in save percentage and goals against average for the year for for those stats. It's just you get you got to think that you know. He's the starter come the playoffs as long as he keeps up. He has to be. I mean, you look at the potential duo you could have if you're going forward with Gustafson Volstead. I mean, that could be a really exciting duo. I mean, this is a guy who I think was taken, we think we talked about this last week, second in his draft class among goaltenders, a second round pick. I think he is 24, 25, like kind of that age where you start to see goalies blossom. So there's like, and I know we've talked about goaltending can be voodoo, but there's nothing here to suggest that like this is a fluke or that this can't be who he is. It's you know it's not like a Dubnik where he came on really late in his career or anything like that. I mean th- th- this is you know seeing in a structured team, you know feeling like he has a home here. So really good yeah. to see again. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is I kind of want to talk about three guys that we don't talk about on this show too often, and that's the Minnesota Wild third, uh, the newly assembled third line of Jordan Greenway, Brandon Duhame, and Freddie Goudreau. Um, not so much because the offense has been there, but they've been defending so well since they've been assembled. Uh, so they've had seven games together now, uh, assembled back on February 17th, uh, when the wild played the stars since then, um, they've at, these are all, this is all going to be at five on five. So they're seeing mm-hmm. about 10 minutes a night on the ice, you know, getting some tougher of the matchups, getting some of those top lines, um, about 60 minutes of on ice time, 61 minutes together on the ice. Um, and in that time, having a lot of goal against yet, um, again, teams in this stretch, Stars, Predators, Kings, Blue Jackets twice, Maple Leafs, Islanders. So, and, you know, the, the Blue Jackets right now, beat, you know, are playing some okay hockey, beating some good teams. So, you know, not slouches in their own right by any means. Um, but having a lot of goal against at five on five with all three on the ice. Of course, they've scored three times in that stretch, all three uh, by Brandon Duhame, um, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, one kind of dud in there against the Kings that, you know, I kind of want to throw out because the entire team was kind of terrible that night. Um, mm-hmm. So if you if you look at that, if you take that game out, 
Uh, they have a 45.62% expected goal share, including that game. Take that game away, 65.35% of the expected goal share, um, not allowing, only allowing, you know, um, expected goals against uh, over 0.3 in a game just once against the Blue Jackets. They've been defending just really well. Their deployment has been kind of a mix between on the offensive zone, the defensive zone. Um, but just seemingly a line that Dean Evison is starting to lean on a little bit. Um, and to me, I think it's especially, I mean, look at a guy like Freddie Goudreau, a guy like Brandon Duhame, two guys we've talked about um, who belong in checking roles. And lo and behold, you you give them an opportunity like, hey, we don't necessarily need you to score. Go out and play that strong two-way game that we know you're capable of. And they have. Um, and I think, you know, as we transition here shortly into talking about these trades, if you're Dean Evison, you know, obviously we know Jordan Greenway, his days in Minnesota are numbered. We don't know if that's two days away, if it's the offseason. But you, know, you look at how well that line's played over this last stretch where the Wild are winning games. Can you break up that line or not? Um, you know, is Jordan Greenway the engine behind that line? I don't necessarily think so. Um, but I think this is probably the better, one of the better stretches of hockey we've seen him play this year. Um, but, you know, in, a, in a, a stretch of time where it's been all about Kaprizov and the goaltending, I felt it was necessary to kind of call out this third line, which has been defending really well, um, potentially opening up some opportunities for Kaprizov and the others to get that offense going a little bit more. And I mean, for sure, I think it's, you know, it's kind of similar to the team as a whole. We've talked about having to adopt the identity of being the more defensive, you know, two-way team, grinding games out, two, one, three, two. And I mean, like, like, like Brett was talking about this, you know, that line's perfect example for, or from it. I mean, I think Duhame has probably been the most noticeable of those guys this year. I mean, it just seems like, you know, like you said, we said last week, last couple weeks too, that it seems every time in the forecheck, he's in there hard, crashing to the boards, moving his feet, you know, maybe doesn't have a ton of skill, but, you know, like Brett mentioned, he's been making plays recently. And, you know, that's, you know, with that kind of a line, that kind of a player, that the offense is usually just a bonus. Uh, you can just be out there and, you know, be able to skate uh, and move and prevent the other team from scoring. You know, they're doing their job. And I think on Greenway, at least for me, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It seems we know that he had uh, kind of had gotten sat down by Bill Guerin a couple weeks ago for another, you know, get your shit together talk, essially. And it just seems like, you know, you ask, you're asking essentially, you know, th- does this change your mind? It's I don't know if it'll change their mind because it just seems like something that maybe they're tired of that it, it takes sitting him down and talking to him to get him to play well like this and to, to, to show up consistently. But, you know, who knows? Uh, it, it's just part of the frustration. But uh, it's also notable that he's finding, you know, a fit on a line that's not with the Ek and Foligno for the first time in, you know, probably three years here. So it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I know we've kind of talked about this with Dumba. We know he's gone at the end of the season. Um, uh, Brett mentioned – you think Greenway will be gone? We're gonna to have to shed his salary, but <clears throat> yeah, kind of like what they were saying about Dumba, he could be kind of the rental. Maybe Greenway is kind of their quote-unquote rental with how he's fitting in with uh, Duhame and and Goudreau. Because I mean, who knows if he's gone by by the third? But you know, he'll, he's basically Russo was saying he's ninety-nine percent sure that he's gonna be gone by the, the at least you know the off season. So especially if two guys that are on the roster. Yeah. Gustafson. Yeah. Yep. Two guys that are on the roster that, you know, could be our, you know, quote unquote rentals. Uh, I feel like Duhame has been re- pretty, re- 
I can't talk right now. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he's been really noticeable lately, you know, scoring a couple goals, like you guys mentioned. But I, I feel like all season he's kind of had, you know, outside of the missing time with the injury, he's noticeably faster than last year. I feel like he's developing pretty well into like a maybe middle to bottom role mm-hmm. in the lineup. Like one of those players that you'll need in the playoffs, just physical, give his all. And, uh, I don't know. I enjoy watching Duhane play, and, and Goudreau's sneaky good at times. Like, we know what he's done in the shootouts, but I feel like yeah. at times he's got sneaky good hands, you know, getting the pucks different places and playing defense. We all know what they do. But, yeah, that, that line's been fun to watch for the most part. Yeah, I think what's worked so well is I think you can really, I you know, I'd have to watch film to see if this is really what they're running, but you kind of look at the makeup of that line. You have a really smart defensive center in Goudreau. You have a straight line guy in Brandon Duhame whose engine never stops and goes a million miles an hour north-south. He'll chip the puck in. He'll come at you a million miles an hour. He'll blast it in the boards. Then you got a guy like Jordan Greenway who maybe doesn't play with quite the speed that Duhame does, but definitely has the size can protect the puck down low. You, know, you you let Goudreau and the defense get the puck out of the zone. You get in the zone, Duhame four checks. You get Greenway there for support. You can cycle the puck. You keep Freddie Goudreau out high to kind of cover the D. Um, you can just spend some time four checking, killing clock. You know, keep maybe keeping those you know those top lines at bay. It doesn't necessarily have to be through offense, but you know the, the best form of defending a top line is making sure they don't have the puck in their zone. Um, you know, it's part of the reason we saw the grief line be so effective last year. Um, you know, now we're seeing good things um, out of this line. Um, you know, so we'll kind of push pause on that line here as we transition into the trades that the Wild made and then kind of circle back because um, one of either this line or the fourth line is going to be disrupted um, by this next guy we'll talk about. Um, the first trade the Minnesota Wild made yesterday, they send out a 2024 third-round pick uh, to reacquire Marcus Johansson from the Washington Capitals. Uh, if you remember, one of Bill Guerin's first moves when he came in as general manager uh, was acquiring Marcus Johansson, sending out Eric Stahl um, in that trade. Um, one that my gut reaction I wasn't very fond of, um, and I don't think it's more so the cost or even that they traded a third round. You know, I don't think it's a, they trade a third rounder for a top nine forward. For me, it's they went back to the well of a guy who had his worst season ever here. Um, if you look at pretty much any metric, I mean, this is a guy last time he was with Minnesota in the 2020-2021 season. He played 36 games the Wild. That's the pandemic-shortened season. Um, you know, he got opportunity that year, I think, with Fiala, with Parisi, um, a lot of the top Wild forwards. Um, mm-hmm. Finished that with a career-worst 43.28% expected goal share at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, was a minus 10 outscored 12 to 22 with him on the ice. Um, and then, you know, the the numbers there offensively were pretty pedestrian um, as well here. I'm pulling that up, what he had. Um, 14 points in uh, 36 games, six goals. Yeah, so that, and that's all he did with the Wild. Um, since he's left, he has played much better. I believe fought through some minutes with the Wild as well. Has been really healthy this year. I don't think he's missed a game. Um, has found his scoring touch, 13 goals. That's the most since his 2018-19 season with the Devils. Uh, 15 assists in that span. Um, shooting percentage up there, uh, 13.68%. That's one of the highest marks of his career. Um, you know, not taking a ton of penalties either. Just four total minor penalties on the year. He's drawn nine in the process. So 
with the Capitals, you know, he he's played well, but for me, it's just it seems like a risky sort of gamble, just based on you know you know he might not just fit in your system, um, but you know, and it, and it you know for a third round pick, I was like, ah, I just don't know, but then you look at it, you know, he does have thirteen goals, I think, which was discussed would be fourth most, I think, on the Wild right now. I think he has more points than. Um, Greenway and Felino combined. So, like, there's some stuff there. It's like, okay, if we really break it down that way, I guess it is an upgrade, but I think for me is the question is how much um, of an upgrade um, is Marcus Johansson? I think that will be, you know, that will obviously be, we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out here now through the season uh, before Gustav Nyquist comes in as well, who we'll talk about here in a minute. But we'll start with just what were your guys' kind of initial reactions to the trade? Zeke, I know you were a little bit more on the level-headed side when it happened. Um, and just kind of maybe how that's changed, you know, kind of over the last 24, 36 hours or so here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would, you know, obviously wasn't, uh, it's nothing to be super excited about, uh, you know, by any means. Like I said, he's pretty much just an okay NHL forward, maybe slightly above average. You know, I guess just more some of my thing is, you know, like you mentioned, Brett, he was dealing with some injury issues the one year he was here. It was the weird COVID year, so... You know, not that, you know. And what, what it was, I think, kind of some fluky injuries, too. I think it was like a broken arm, mm-hmm. like a block shot. You know, it wasn't he like the, the post there in the yeah, playoffs. Too, yeah, so. It wasn't like a, a, a late Marion Gabrick up, tweaked my hamstring again kind no. of situation. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's, I guess maybe that's part of it for me is that maybe we didn't really get to see, you know, fully what he can do. Obviously, it's on short notice here as a rental, you know, at the deadline late in the season, too. So, you know, you know, who knows, uh, you know, it's not, uh, nothing particularly exciting. He's probably not going to come in and improve their scoring too much, but, you know, maybe since, you know, when he was here, Matt Boldy wasn't on the NHL roster yet. Maybe they think there could be, you know, maybe there's some potential there for those two guys to mesh a little bit together, you know, who knows for sure. But I think, you know, to be honest for me, a lot of it just kind of, uh, you know, depends on, depending on what else they did uh you know obviously like Brett mentioned the Nyquist deal and maybe anybody else they might get uh we'll see I mean I think you know he's a fine player it's not a bad guy to have on your team but you know it it, like Brett said it's also not a huge upgrade so I guess to me he just kind of feels like the winger version of Freddie Goudreau maybe slightly (laughs) more offense yeah like if you just like if you switch Freddie Goudreau's offense and defense Mm-hmm. And then put him at wing. That's Marcus Johansson. Which, like, yeah. is that a bad thing? Eh, no, but it's just like, yeah, this guy is like the definition of like a third line scoring winger. Mm-hmm. Which, like, that's our that's seventy five percent of our team right now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Justin, uh, my initial reaction was, of course, I sent you guys what W two TF. I was just kind of like. <laughs> When I first saw the trade, I said Johansson for a third. I in my head, I was like, "Is it Philip or Marcus?" And I was like, "It wouldn't be Philip. They wouldn't go back to Philip when they didn't even want to sign him." <laughs> but no, initially I was I was a little like, "What the heck is this? This doesn't move the needle." And I was like, "All right." I, I kind of was like, "Let's hold up. Let's sit back, see what happens." I mean, he's had some pretty good seasons. A lot of them were the first half of his career. But uh, like you mentioned, when he was here, he was kind of injury riddled. That was a funky season. I mean, hard to develop chemistry when you're you're hurt, and then you have half a season to do it. So I was kind of like, let's let's see what he can do now. I mean, pretty decent two two hundred foot player. I mean, he's 
got speed and uh, maybe he does help Baldy because apparently he's going to be on the line with uh, Baldy and Eck, I believe. But Yep, that is what uh, Dean Evison came out and said today, which yeah. is kind of where we'll go next before we talk about yep. Nyquist. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to be open-minded. It doesn't necessarily move the needle, but I'm just trying to be open-minded to see you know how things go. I mean, there's still time to make more moves. This is also in my head kind of what I expected to happen. Maybe not a Johansson move, but you knew we weren't going to move first rounders. We weren't going to move top prospects. We're, we're not going to get some of these guys that, you know, like the Canes and, and those types of players that, mm-hmm. you know, came only wanted to go to New York anyways, but like some of these top players we weren't going to get because we weren't willing to give up those top, top assets. So, and I mean, he does, he does have a lot of playoff experience and has showed well, mm-hmm. you know, especially with boss a couple of years in the playoffs before. So, you know, not that that's, you know what they well, obviously with the banking on but you know he has you know he he's a capable NHL player basically yep yep absolutely um i think what kind of warmed me up to it a little bit was like for me it's like man this isn't you know this isn't the solution for boldy is it like they don't think this is the guy that's going to fix the problem right cuz to me it's like well, what like what what can marcus jo- you know obviously marcus johansson's NHL experience 13 goals this year but mm-hmm. it's like is he really? You know, would he be that much of an upgrade over like an Adam Beckman? Like, I mean, obviously, it's Beckman's sample size is small, um, mm-hmm. so it's hard to compare it in that sense. But it's like, is there a whole lot of difference there? And in my head, is like no. And with no, I was like, was that really worth a third? And then what kind of made me warm up to it was kind of the subsequent trade where the Wild go out and acquired Gustav Nyquist from the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, a guy who has perennially kind of played his, you know, the kind of the penultimate top six, middle six scoring winger. Um, not an all-star by any means, but a guy that has some skills, some speed, um, and albeit, you know, he's had some decent scoring seasons, pretty much between 40 and 55 every season where he's played the full season, been healthy. And that was on two teams, primarily, uh, the Detroit Red Wings, Columbus Blue Jackets, both times in which those were two pretty poor teams. I was kind of Mm -hmm. during the downfall of Detroit era where they kind of started going through the rebuild. And obviously Columbus has basically had one year of minor relevance in the last 10 um, he's been a guy that's been leaned on on those better teams. So, you know, part of me wonders, you know, how does he fare? Maybe where he doesn't have to be the go-to guy anymore, kind of, you know, one of those guys heavily leaned on, but more of that complimentary piece on a line with Boldy and Eck. Um, and then for me, it's like, okay, now you can put Nyquist there. All of a sudden, you know, now you have a third line with probably what I would do would be Duhame, um, Freddie Goudreau, and Marcus Johansson. All of a sudden, you have a third line with some really good speed, um, that can probably play a two-way game, and now you have a chance to kind of build a fourth line, whether you want to build it with size, with Felino and Greenway, um, Dewar, Shaw, Reeves. you got some guys you can move around, plug and play on that fourth line. Uh, more on that in a bit. But, you know, th- that's what kind of warmed up to me. They get Nyquist for a 2025, I believe it is. Or was it the 20? 20- no, 2023 fifth-round pick, um, which was the pick they acquired in the Dimitri Orlov salary retention trade with the Boston Bruins. Uh, which cost them $88,000 in real cash. And then I haven't verified this, but I did see a comment on Twitter that in actual salary cap terms, um, with Columbus retaining 50% on the Nyquist trade, the Wild Mm. actually gained cap space by retaining and then acquiring Nyquist at 50% retained. Um, So they basically got Nyquist for free, is the long story short. Like 88 in real cash, gained a little bit of cap space. Obviously the big caveat here, he is battling a shoulder injury. Um, from what I've heard, one similar to the one Ryan Hartman battled uh, through the middle of this season. Obviously, he was slow when he came back, but it's you know ever since being put back with the Kaprizov line has looked much like his, his old self. So, 
know, not an injury given that circumstance that concerns me overly. Um, but to me, a pretty low risk move with, I don't know if like high reward necessarily, but like you basically got this pick for free. You got this player for free. If he gives you any substance, like that's a win. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I looked at it, the full scope, they essentially acquired Gustav Nyquist, 50% retained, and Marcus Johansson for a third and a fifth. I was like, all right, that's actually not, you know, considering some of these other crazy prices, um, i.e. Tanner Janot. This has been the weirdest deadline. I have no idea yeah, how GMs has. value players. Um, mm-hmm. Jacob Chikrin feels like he just got less than Tanner Janot. Um, it felt like Gavrikov and, and Corpusalo got less than, you know, I, I don't know. Not to tangent, but it's like, I don't know how the value. So you look at all that, and then kind of once that second trade, I kind of came around on, on both. But ultimately, it will come down to, you know, where, you know how can Nyquist perform once he does come back? Sounds like there's potentially could play before the end of the regular season, uh, but that will be determined. So uh, any initial thoughts that I didn't cover there um, on Nyquist from either of you? No, I, I've always kind of liked Nyquist's game. I mean, he's fast, <coughs> skilled, plays hard. Um, I always felt like he was one of the players that was noticeable when we faced like the Red Wings, like you said. Um, outside of his incident with the the high stick on Spurgeon, uh, mm-hmm. where he hit him with a stick or whatever. Um, sounds like I, they're I, working like, to bury that hatchet already. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it. Kind of like the Reeves and Felino fight. They're, yep, they're all yep. just like burying hatchets here. But uh, no, I mean, he can. He'll be able to play up and down the lineup. I I imagine he'll be top to middle six, obviously. But um, you know, I liked this move. Maybe a little bit, uh, not a little better, better than the Johansson move. Um, we'll see how both pan out. But like you said, you can put these guys, uh, you know, up and down the lineup, and then kind of make the lines how you want. But you know, I, I like this pick as long, I mean, as long as he can come back and play, um, that's kind of the caveat, like you said. But um, I've always liked Nyquist's game. Had yeah, 17, no. 17 points in the forty-eight games he did play with Columbus. Nine goals, um, excuse me, eight goals, nine assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, he's like you said, not anything, uh, not another completely flashy player, but I think you know he's maybe provides a little bit more offensive upside or skill over Johansson does. And I mean, like you know, like you guys are saying, it's there's pretty much almost no risk here, aside from if he, you know, the only risk is he doesn't play and the fifth round pick turns into another Crook Prisa, which neither of those seem very likely. So, you know, hopefully, you know. He comes here maybe with a week left in the season or in the playoffs and is a nice boost to uh, whichever line he plays on, uh, you know, coming into the season. But yeah, nothing like you guys said. Nothing really to uh, not nothing really to dislike about that move. For sure. Yeah, and then just to go a little bit further to Nyquist, I think it's easy to kind of look at. You know, if you are an analytics person, to kind of look at. You know, he has sub fifty percent expected goals, course he shares, all that stuff. Um, in a good way, we can kind of contextualize that as using something called relative rate. So basically it compares, you know, his his numbers compared to the rest of the team. Um, so you can kind of mm-hmm. contextualize. The Blue Jackets pretty much across the board were better with him on the ice. Um, more shots, more expected goals. Um, you know, maybe not controlling the game, you know, dominating other teams, but they were better than they – he's they're better with him on the ice than with him off the ice. So, um, you know. Not a guy that's probably going to be earth-shattering, but I think you look at, as you know, we kind of talked about, you know, given that Bill Guerin didn't want to give up, you know, first, second-round picks, assets, um, and did maybe want to add. I mean, I think the one commonality between these two is they added some speed, right? They, I think mm-hmm. they feel pretty good about the size that they have, at least up front. 
Um, so maybe, you know, adding some guys as we just talked about that you can kind of move around if you need some speed against, you know, depending on who your matchup is. You know, if it's Dallas, maybe you want some size. If it's Winnipeg, maybe you want some size. But, you know, if all of a sudden by, you know, God's grace is being up with Colorado in the first round, maybe you want some speed. So it gives you some options to kind of plug and play guys different spots. You know, maybe adding some elements that you're maybe missing from, you know, a guy like Reeves or Felino or Greenway. Maybe Arnis fleet his foot. Um but I think where this really gets interesting as we transition out of the trades um, is now the Wilds forward situation. So let, let's start the current state, which would be they have 14 healthy forwards with the addition of Marcus Johansson, which means two players. Um, obviously, one is going to continue to be Sam Steele, um, who I believe still could be waived. I think there's one more day. Up until tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Um, if they don't, he'll just remain a healthy scratch probably unless the wild have about six injuries up front. Um, so he's obviously one, but then it gets interesting on where it comes from the other. So, um, as we heard today and we talked about briefly ago here, um, Dean Evison came out today in his press conference said, Johansson will plan a line with Boldy and Eck, which means obviously Felino is coming off that line. Um, and if we circle back to our conversation from earlier in the show, we just talked about how good that third line has been, uh, with Greenway. Goudreau and Duhame. So then it kind of comes to the question of, okay, are you really going to put Marcus Foligno down on the fourth line? I don't think it's unreasonable. He hasn't played great. The offensive production isn't there. The one thing he has continued to done well is, you know, kind of provide energy, be physical, and defend, mm-hmm. which has kind of much more been the identity of that fourth line. Um, and we've seen a dip in that second line since Foligno was slotted in for Beckman, which, hey, we called that out um, as something that was likely to happen. Um, but then it begs the question of who comes out, right? Even if you do keep that third line together, um, you know, barring this is assuming they don't make any other trades. And if you listen to Russo's spot on the radio today, he doesn't really feel like unless the extreme right deal comes about that they're going to make another deal. So I think that includes Greenway. It sounds like, you know, maybe there hasn't been quite enough interest there. Um, or maybe Mm -hmm. they haven't had the price that they would hope at least at this juncture. Um, so to me, I would probably keep that third line together. Um, my ideal world would be Reeves comes out, Felina goes into that spot, and you rock with Shaw, Dewar, and Felino. Um, but you know, you look at the performance Reeves had last game with the fight, the goal. I think maybe for one more game probably earns that spot, which means unfortunately Mason Shaw comes out. But I think where that, you know, all of a sudden takes a twist. Another thing we talked about on this show was how good the penalty kill has been. Um, and that second unit of Dewar and Shaw has arguably been the better of the two, um, that first usually being Eck and Goudreau. So do you want to disrupt that penalty kill, which has been such a huge part of your success? So we don't know what the lines are going to be, but I think your your juggling act, it's going to be, I think, you know, coming out of the lineup will be either Reeves or Shaw, I think. And then I think where, where it goes after that is how, how do they juggle who plays where between Felino and Greenway? Yeah, I think in my opinion, even with the good game he had, it it has to be Reeves to come out. I mean, you talk about earlier in the show, goaltending and special teams can help you win, and uh, you know, maybe not necessarily win a cup with this team, but uh, you know, continue to advance or you know give us a chance. Uh, Dewar and Shaw on that penalty kill is is about as good as it gets. And it's, there's some penalty kills where those two get more scoring chances than the power play they're facing. Yeah. The, so the Columbus like... game really comes to mind. It felt like, I think they had like two breakaways. I don't know if Columbus mm-hmm. even had a shot on goal when those two were. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. And then I feel like Felino's. I mean, we have a handful of guys that have 15 to 25 games without a goal, but I feel like Felino's. you know, he was hurt for a while, but I feel like lately he's been playing more physical, maybe getting back to what he was. So I, I think that could be a fun line, Felino, Sean Dewar, because they're all kind of physical um, and, you know, good defensively for the most part. And, uh, yeah, I, I just they go out there, grind out a shift, and and you know give the team some energy. I just I feel like that could be a fun line. Yeah, I mean I think you know I'm with Justin that I would you know like to see you know not see uh you know the guys like Mason Shaw and all that taking off for Reeves, but I think you know like Brett said he played really good last game. They traded for him. It, you know, it just doesn't seem like that's probably going to happen right now. But you know I guess we'll you never know. But you know I think that's maybe the one thing that you know these couple trades do that even if they aren't, you know, necessarily fantastic, they do allow you to, in a way, deepen your lineup. Like, you know, Brett, you guys are talking about maybe moving Felino to the fourth line if his struggles this year that, you know, gets him down there. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to, you know, which is not really as big of a deal then if he's not scoring anymore like he has the last couple of years. He can just play, do the play, you know, defensively his own zone, kind play hard. revert back to the player he was in the wild initially acquired him. Yeah. Which you know could help everybody. So yeah, no, it's a, it's 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 it'll be interesting obviously because they don't have a ton of time to uh, get things set, and you know obviously they don't still don't seem to practice very much. So you know obviously I'm sure they have ideas in their mind uh, of what they want, but yeah. I guess and I would just... guess they'll probably have a, a pretty you know bringing in Johansson. They'll for sure be doing some line rushes and stuff in the morning skate tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Vancouver tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. and then Vancouver. and then it's like Calgary, I think twice, right? It's like a home yes. home. About three days apart, I think. um, And then I think, I mean, we don't have to get to this now. We can, you know, cross this bridge. But I think beyond that, you know, once Nyquist comes back, then all of a sudden it gets even muddier because now you're going to be juggling 15 forwards at that point. You're going to have a whole line, um, which, hey, that's good. I mean, if you have a full line of NHL depth cutting in the playoffs, not a bad thing either. Um, And obviously, I mean, the Wild have, you know, since kind of everyone's returned from injury here, I mean, obviously Brodeen the latest, but up front, you know, they haven't had a ton of injuries, you know, kind of since the new year. They've gotten pretty healthy. Um, you can hope that continues, but, you know, obviously, you know, some God forbid something happens, um, not terrible to have that mm-hmm. depth either. So I think that'll be the other interesting thing is seeing which, you know, which of these guys gel, you know, may, do they even shift around the bottom, the bottom six? Because um, I think the other play you could look at um, and to me, it just wouldn't be fair to do him. He's played well, but you know, obviously, you, you put Greenway Felino back together with Goudreau in the middle, um, and kind of had that makeshift grief line that we kind of saw before, um, the Felino injury, and then slide Duhame down with you know Shaw and Dewar, um, which we you know we, those are lines we've seen earlier this year. But to me, you know, I think has anyone besides Kaprizov or Duhame scored, you know, in the last week? No, oh, Reeves. Out, right? <laughs> Reeves. Yeah, Reeves. That's right. All hands team. But like, it, and you know, I don't think that's fair to Brandon Duham to to bump him down the third line when he's been no. productive. No. Um, so yeah, it's I I'm curious to see what they do. Um, I th- I don't even know what my gut says because I'm so conflicted enough. They keep Greenway there, or if or if yeah. they put Felino in that spot. I think the other, everything else will stay the same. My gut says Shaw will come out, even though that's not what I would do. Because all year, you know, it's been Reeves over Shaw. So I don't know why that would change now. I'm in the midst of a playoff rip push. So who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Final topic I do want to get to here is, you know, the trade deadline still at the time of this recording about, you know, 
day and a half still to make trades and deals. Um, the Wild, could they be done? Maybe. But, um, you know, one thing we've heard them discuss is they still would like to potentially, you know, add some sort of depth to the blue line one way or another, potentially um, maybe adding some size back there. You know, I, you know, there's a couple forwards still out there we talked about. You know, James Van Riemsdyk, um, Tyler Bertuzzi last week, both of those players still available potentially. Detroit has cooled off, you know, a little bit um, in the last couple of weeks or last couple week or so here as that Eastern playoff race starts to shift a little bit. Um, but I think obviously the big question there is, you know, we just talked about they have 14 forwards. Um, to, so they have the cap space to bring in another one, but you know, I don't think that app, that happens unless you move out. Um, who at this point, seeming the only four they're really willing to move would be Greenway. Um, so I don't see you know anything happening um, unless you know um, Greenway has moved out, which doesn't seem likely. Um, one player I did kind of talk myself into yesterday that we can talk very briefly about. I'm just going to kind of throw this on you guys. We haven't talked about this mm-hmm. unless you're reading through my comments, but. Um, Shifting to a recent opponent, the Toronto Maple Leafs currently have nine defensemen um, on their roster. They, in <laughs> I think just yesterday alone or the last two days, they acquired uh, Jake McCabe, Luke Shen, um, and Eric Gustafson, um, shipped out uh, Rasmus Sandin in the process, but still, like I said, have nine defensemen on their roster. Um, and one of the ones whose name I'd kind of heard float, I think more so among fans and kind of like beats and stuff, um, is yep. Justin Hall. Um, six foot four, um, on the final year, I think of like a $1.2 million contract. Um, you know, a guy that's played kind of on, I think primarily this year with Morgan Riley on their top pair plays top four minutes. Um, believe he's a left shot. Um, but to me, you know, he's the kind of defenseman. I think if he, I have no idea if he's available from Toronto, but I would assume, I mean, just, you know, they, they extended Giordano, they just extended Timothy Lilligren. They're not moving Riley. They're not moving Brody. Like, he just seems like if I kind of run through and then, you know, he wasn't acquired in a trade, he sort of seems like maybe the odd man out here outside of, like, Connor Timmins maybe. But, again, I think he was signed to an extension, obviously, before they made all these trades. But, you know, I look at a guy who, you know, maybe is playing maybe – I think he very much is like a Jake Middleton type where he's not going to, you know, be crazy offensive but, you know, can play on the special teams if he has to. Um, I think he is a pretty decent penalty killer. Um, he's a contract that the Wild could afford. Um, but, you know, to me, it's if you do get in the playoffs in a situation where you're at right now where you do lose a top four, he's a guy that could fill in that spot. Um, again, I have no idea if he's available. I have no idea if the Wild are interested. Um, but just kind of based on you know, what we've heard him talk about, they want to add some size, some grit to the blue line. You know, maybe if you, there is a suitor for Alex Goligoski, you move him out, and then maybe you can subsequently bring in a guy like Justin Hall, I think you could slot in, you know, against my better judgment for Kalen Addison potentially, or if you, you know, I think he'd be a massive upgrade over John Merrill on your third pair. Um, all of a sudden now you have some size, um, you know, insurance as well. So again, no idea if the Wild are interested, no idea if he's available, just something I sort of talked myself into kind of looking at a team mm-hmm. who has nine defensemen on their roster as it stands right now. Well, from what I kind of know uh, from you know, people in Toronto, it seems to be a guy that uh, is maybe a bit of a polarizing player, I think, maybe just based on the fact that he's probably played uh, above his role there for a few years there. You know, doesn't seem, like you said, Brett, doesn't seem to be particularly spectacular uh, at offense or anything very flashy like that. 
which is you know, obviously not you know not surprising to start with the need. But yeah, no, I think he's certainly an interesting name. Uh, you know, obviously with Luke Shen going to Toronto, a guy the Wild are maybe linked to. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that ship sailed. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, he's fine, but just another big defenseman that you know is like he's gold. He's basically like to gold, me so. a slightly better version of Jordy Ben. Like, yeah, which is not saying much. No. So. No. <laughs> who they also waived, I believe. So they had like yes. 10 defensemen. They had 11 before they traded Sandine, I think. It's crazy. Yep. No. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting guy like that. But, uh, yeah. yeah you know. I, I think it could be an interesting move, too. I mean, I don't know a ton about him. I know he was pretty decent on the penalty kill, like you mentioned. Uh, basically, a guy that I'll make the correct play from what I read <laughs> quickly here. <laughs> um, a, a kid, a kid. Yeah, I guess he's a kid to me. Uh, <laughs> he's from Minnetonka, so he's one of us. Yeah. So and one that of us. that doesn't but, have anything but, to yeah. do with it for me. Like that's more a no, no, no. I'm just but... it doesn't either. But I just noticed that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it could make some sense, especially with the size factor. And you know, we have a couple smaller defensemen like Addison's pretty small, Spurgeon's small, which size isn't always everything. But it'd be nice to have that size for some matchups. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know yeah. Kind to of... me, he's John Merrill, but better. Like, yeah, he's if you took everything that's good about Jake Middleton and kind of pushed him into John Merrill. Like, I don't think to me, it'd be an upgrade on your blue line, but again, you know, it comes down to what is that acquisition cost? You know, I think Toronto, I think they have a cap situation too. Um, with Matt Marini to come back off LTIR before the playoffs, they would have to, I believe shed some more cap. I don't know how much that would be. You know, I'm, I'm not fully invested in the Toronto Maple Leafs roster, but the fact that they had nine defensemen and that Murray was coming back. Um, I do believe they still have to move out a contract. I know they moved out Pierre Engvall um, up front, but I don't know if that was enough. I think they're still like around a million or a shade less. So it makes sense from a lot of angles, but again, I don't know if the Wild are interested or not, but just a name I, you know, just threw out there, name I'd kick the tires on. But, um, you know, the forwards, it's just like like we, you know, we talked about, you know, if you want to hear us talk about, you know, Bertuzzi, JVR, we, we did talk about those guys last week. But ultimately, I think at this point, having acquired two, that move just does not happen unless there's um, a, a greenway trade out there to be yeah. had. Um, I think the Brock Besser ship has oh. sailed um, as well, but um, yeah. who knows. I'm trying to think if there's any former Wild players who could be traded still. Nino, Granlund. Uh, both Bukestad. traded, I think, in the last 24 hours. Oh, yeah, Bukestad, he's reported he's being held out for trade reasons, apparently. We could uh, get Zucker back. No. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Granlin will be playing together again. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah. Imagine yeah, getting no, more for combined for Tanner Janot than Nino and Granlin. Yeah, what, what a world weird. we live in at the trade deadline. But hey, I, so That's what you get for being 6'5". Yes. I guess, but Jordan Greenway six six. Well, yeah, <laughs> and he's due for positive regression. Janelle was due for negative regression. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think we've rambled on quite a bit today. A lot of topics covered. Uh, any final thoughts for either of you uh, before we kind of you know head to the end of this show and you know what is what is going to be kind of the final stretch and grind here um, yeah. of the regular season, also upcoming you know this time of year too. Um, NCAA tournaments firing up. Um, I believe the WCHA tournament starts this weekend. I just, or excuse me, CCHA. Um, I'd assume NCHC is right around the corner there as well. I believe like conference tournaments. I think they start. They start this weekend or next weekend. I think this weekend. 
Girls State Hockey wrapped up last week. Um, boys sections, of course, we mentioned off the top. Zeke talking a little about that. Uh, section championships, I think, will be wrapping up um, end of this week and this weekend. Um, we'll be in the Boys State Tournament. Is that next week already? Yeah, that's next not, week. Yeah, next yeah. weekend. So next week. So, you know, one of the most wonderful times of the year with NHL playoff races, boys high school hockey, college playoffs. It's a great time of year to be a hockey fan. Um, we're just, you know, finally starting to kind of get into that. You know, we kind of have that lull between the Super Bowl and the trade deadline where it's kind of like, eh, there's nothing on. Um, and now we're, you know, getting back into better times again. But, uh, you know, aside from that, final thoughts. Uh, not much, you know, particularly new and just, you know, hopefully they keep playing well. Obviously the big, uh, the, the two big games coming up against Calgary are probably the most, uh, you know, kind of, you know, if the Wilds can even get one of those wins, uh, you know, more than likely put Calgary in the rearview mirror and if they can even, you know, hopefully. What almost feels like if, if they win two of those games against Calgary, I mean, I don't mathematically it won't be the case, but it almost feels like that clinches no. them a playoff spot. Right, because even if yeah, they I fall mean, out know, of favor in the conference, I think they would still then potentially be able to move into the wild card. Because um, Calgary is yeah. chasing Winnipeg, so if the Wild can push them out even further, you know they almost guarantee themselves a playoff spot. Just it's more, you know, where does that playoff spot end up being? And I mean, even Nashville, <laughs> who's uh, you know like four games yeah. back, like you mentioned, they're selling off, so it's not really a you know threat anymore, anyways. So yeah, no, just uh, yeah, the two games against Calgary are probably a couple of bigger games of the season so far, so. That'll be the ones to watch. And I, my final thought is just enjoy the rest of the ride here. I mean, uh, we could separate ourselves to 11 points between us and Calgary if the points stay between the, where they are now and if we beat them twice, say. Which would um, be insane. We have 21 games left in the season. I mean, we're on the last quarter of it. So, uh, I mean, just enjoy it. We're almost only t- two years away from being out of Cap Hell. So, uh, <laughs> another silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's 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 exciting time of year. Uh, of course, my kids' jamborees next weekend, and this high school state tournament, like you mentioned, college hockey pros. It's just the best time of year to be a sports uh, hockey sports fan. Yeah, quick update: division games. Um, of course, these will be done by the time you're listening. But uh, Avalanche have cut the Devils' lead five to four. Now that one just three minutes left in the third, and then the Stars have come back. They now lead the Coyotes three to two. Uh, Colorado has scored three times in about two minutes, two minutes um, to <laughs> cut a 5-1 deficit to a 5-4 deficit. So a um, couple games to watch there, of course, is that, you know, that central division wide open, you know, a four-team race yeah. right now for that top spot. But, um, you know, that's the way I like it, right? You know, it's fun oh, when it's sure. close, makes every game count, get playoff hockey for, you know, half the year. It's always good. Um, but yeah, I think that'll about, uh, wrap up what we had covered for today. So Justin, why don't you remind everyone, uh, where they can find you and all of your work? Uh, you can find me at D East 2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with the Kaprizov countdown. You can find me at MNW prospects with MNW young guns and Zeke. Yeah. As usual, you can follow me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, capital Z capital B. If you want to connect with me, that's where you'll be able to find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. And if you haven't already, our good friend Seth Topol over at Lockdown Wild has kicked off his March Madness name 
bracket. So breaking down the best names in wild history. Obviously, this is going to be a Bronco Radovojevich W. Um, but there are polls up on the Locked On Wild Twitter page. They have been retweeted on our page as well. So go ahead, uh, take a couple minutes to vote through those. A fun little March Madness bracket uh, for you with you know no stakes involved whatsoever. So go ahead and vote on that. Uh, as we mentioned, some big games to the Wild coming up here. Cal- Vancouver tomorrow, a home-and-home home against Calgary on Saturday and then back Tuesday, and then the Jets Wednesday, which means we will most likely be back with you on Thursday of next week, the first day of the State High School Hockey Tournament. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn.